1: BlueNile.com.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Satman Day Football Podcast. This is episode 56. First up we're going to talk the news as always, then we're going to talk about the tactical masterclass by Zinedine Zidane on Diego Simeone and finish up with a bit of Europa League fun. Manchester United away at Celta Vigo in the Europa League. We're going to preview it right here. First up, let's talk the news. So some sad news coming out of Manchester with Aaron Lennon apparently being detained by police under the Mental Health Act after appearing to show some uh, some bad signs near a, near a motorway, apparently. Um, and, you know, his agents come out and said he is receiving treatment for a stress-related illness. Very, very sad news. Mental health is something that takes everybody. You know, it takes yourself, it takes your family members. It's just one of these things that, uh, you know, especially in, in Western Europe, we need to address a little bit more in terms of, uh, you know, awareness to mental health issues. You know, I've been through some parts myself and hopefully maybe... One day over the summer, I'll talk about that on this podcast, because of course we've got to you know, increase the awareness for that. And one big thing, remember, if you are in a, in a bad place, in a dark place, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You won't be there forever. But anyway, uh, in the UK, if you want to call somebody to help you in these sort of situations, this is, the Samaritans are open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year on 116123. Make sure, obviously, you need to reach out if you are in that situation to family members, or to maybe someone at the end of that phone, because obviously they can try and help you. Anyway, let's move on to talk about football and get away from the, the dark issues of the modern world. First up, Monchi, who has uh, joined Roma, has confirmed that Francesco Totti will be retiring at the end of the season. What an absolute legend. He will start his role as a director. Roma going down the similar model we've seen at the likes of Arsenal, we've seen at Bayern Munich, we've seen at Ajax. So, you know, it's good, good moves from Monchi keeping him around the club. You know, such a positive player for Roma. Arguably could have left the club, but is the true club captain, the true club legend. Anyway, another news. Three years ago today, Leicester City he won the Premier League and lifted the trophy. Incredible, that was just a mere 12 months ago. In terms of managerial uh, shifts, West Ham apparently reviewing uh, slavan Bilic's position at the end of the season. Uh, big reports that David Moyes may not be uh, sacked as Sunday manager, or he won't quit. And is planning already for life in the Championship. In other big news in Spain, Catalonian Radio are reporting that Barcelona have made initial contact with ex-Barcelona player, Lauren Blanc. An interesting one, obviously, Laurent Blanc's PSG, aesthetically on the eye, weren't the greatest team that you're ever going to watch, but they did play at that passing football, and maybe at Barcelona with better players... They may be getting, you know, that type of thing going. Obviously, is linked with Verratti Could be a positive thing for Barcelona. Anyway, you know, moving on, Dimarco has been uh, making rumours for fun, saying PSG are considering re- getting Arsene Wenger to replace um, Unai Emery, and of course, um, Arsenal apparently getting Allegri. Um, Another news that Dimarco is reporting today is that Monaco have rejected an 85 million euro bid for Kylian Mbappe. Unfortunately, that was squashed by Sky Sports News that said that was a load of rubbish. But Kylian Mbappe at Man United with Marcus Rashford with Anthony Martial. That would be some tasty, tasty front three. Anyway, moving on. It's Champions League time. Let's do it. So let's talk about the big game. Real Madrid 3, Atletico Madrid 0. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo finishing masterclass. But the game was massively one-sided. For me, it was down to Zinedine Zidane. Tactically excellent Against Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid, as we mentioned on Monday, have been playing very, very well of late. Been pressing very, very well in their four four two. Have been controlling the the team um, opposition in a defensive sense, in terms of a spatial uh, sense. They just looked so, so good in the uh, you know going forward as well and playing very narrow and, and linking together. They just looked awesome. What Zinedine Zidane did, though, was uh, set Real Madrid up in a shape that we haven't really seen this season, a narrow 4-4-2 diamond, with Casemiro at the base of the diamond, uh, Luka Modric on the right-hand side and uh, Tony Cruz on the left-hand side, and Isco at the tip. That was an absolute masterstroke from Zinedine Zidane. And unfortunately, Atletico Madrid, who their shape is a 4-4-2 in defence, it presses in a 4-4-2. The diamond, unfortunately, made that press redundant. If, for example, Atletico Madrid went up and aggressively pressed Tony Cruz and Luka Modric from central midfield, like they have done in recent games between the two sides, bam, Casemiro would either be in the space deep, or Isco would be an attacker midfield in between the lines. It was so difficult for Atletico Madrid to get the press right. And of course, it was the movement um, of Isco that was so perfect in that first half drifting around just controlling the game in a you know a tactical and a passing sense in the first half he completed 100% of his passes and what was so nice about the movement was if Isco, Isco did drift to say the left wing the rest of the rest of the the front three of Real Madrid let's say Isco is in this front three would shift so for example uh, Ronaldo would go on the right Benzema would stay as a striker so it kept that sort of width in the final third and you know really good options for Isco when he got on the ball to play to those two guys but it was fantastic fantastic tactics it really negated Atletico Madrid's press what they do so well is when you know when they get to the right moment or they do trigger a press in your half is they press so so hard and so aggressively but this Real Madrid shape that arguably looked like a 2-3-1-4 with you know the 270 to halves, the three central midfielders that drop very, very deep. Um, you know, arguably Tony Cruz was playing more of a, as a left back and Modric more of a right back than actually a central midfielder. That's how the shape looked, how it dropped back so deep. And then Marcelo and Carvajal, before his uh, injury, would pretty much join Ronaldo and Benzema and create a front four. And then Isco would just be flowing in between the lines quite frequently, he'd pick up a position behind. Marcelo, which just shows how fluid this system was and how well tactically Zinedine Zidane's got these guys playing. You know how well he can have a game plan and that, and these guys, you know, pull it off. It's absolutely incredible, incredible stuff from Zinedine Zidane, who I've been a bit of a big fan of this season. I Think tactically, he's done some real, real good stuff with this Real Madrid team. And again, we saw tactically perfect fullbacks high, Isco uh, as a number ten, Ronaldo up top, perfect sort from Zinedine Zidane, completely counteracting what. Atletico have done so well, pressing that sort of 4-4-2 diamond, the two strikers with Saul. Saul pretty much couldn't get into the game because there was such a, you know, such a a difficulty in who to press, who's on the ball, what, what do I do in this certain situation? And in the game, he only made three tackles. You know, Saul in these big games is usually racking 11, 12 tackles, and I think that shows how tactically he was made redundant, which again, credit to Zinedine Zidane. And then again, the perfect tactical masterclass from Zidane was completed when he switched to the four-five-one. 5 comes on, they go back to the four-three-three. 3 Isco, you know, on a yellow card, makes a bit of a silly tackle, is subbed off. Uh, Ascensho comes on, pace, uh, skills, You know, what we've seen from this season of the Champions League is a real elite player, fantastic technique from range. We've not seen that recently. What we've seen recently is the ability to um, hold the ball, to drive with the ball, but also make runs off the ball. There's a link up with Marcelo. Uh, was fantastic when he was on the pitch. And obviously, Vasquez coming on as well. Real Madrid switching from that 4 4 2 diamond when they've got the lead, when they're in control of the game to pretty much that, that 4 5 1 that we've seen with the central press with Kruse and Modric going back a little bit more, um, you know, further up the pitch to press and then the counter attack. And obviously, both goals, um, you know, coming from a little bit of counter attacking situations. Obviously, the, the first goal was, it uh, was a little bit of interplay before, but it was a turnover that, you know, seven or eight passes later, the ball was in the back of the net. The third goal, obviously, a piece of counter-attacking beauty Ronaldo, driving with the ball, essential overlapping, um, Tony Cruz and Casemiro making runs into the penalty area, little Casemiro step over, Ronaldo hat but fantastic stuff from Zinedine Zidane. Let's just touch on their centre-halves as well, who are so impressive at defending the wide areas. I think it's a, it's a skill that you've got to be the best defender in the world, the best centre-back in the world, to sort of possess this at the moment, because teams like to play high with the ball, their full-backs like to get on, so these defenders need to defend in the wide areas. And it was absolutely insane how good Varane and Ramos are at defending the wide areas, and really showed against Atletico. Whenever Atletico got into those wide areas, Ramos and Varane won the duels. Simple as that. It was just so impressive. They were 100% of their tackles between them, and it just showed how good this Real Madrid team is from back to front. Zidane's tactics and everything. They've got it all. Moving on to, of course, Cruz Control, who ran the show in central midfield. That is Tony Cruz. I mentioned his position um, sort of as a as a left-back. As Marcelo um, you know, pushed on, uh, it meant that, uh, they had the overload out wide, um, especially when Madrid switched to that sort of 4-5-1 at the end of that, end of the game. So Madrid defending with two banks of four, so if Marcelo's pushing on, and there's a, a, a winger, you've, you know, you've got a 2v2 out wide, so you can't afford to press there. So what Tony Cruz did with, was, was just sit behind Marcelo. It was so interesting. It was so fascinating to see again another tactical evolution from Real Madrid, from Zinedine, Zidane, of course from Tony Cruz. Then in fact, he was finding a little bit of a pocket of space. Where a natural left back would play. You know, we've seen the importance of left backs really and, and right backs grow in European football. How they have more time on the ball than than the central midfielders. We saw Tony Cruz do that. It sort of become, you know, an old school uh, halfback. You know, you think of the the old system, the WM. The two fullbacks and the three halfbacks. That's what Real Madrid were doing. Real Madrid again inverting the pyramid. And it's just excellent to see Zinedine Zidane really progress here. But, you know, giving Cruz uh, the, the control of the game, um, you know, give him the control. It's insane. He completed 96% of his passes and managed to hit the century. 100 passes, which in fact was more than uh, Gabi and Antoine Griezmann managed combined. Incredible stuff from, of course, Tony Cruz. Free as a bird to dictate the play of the game, really run it for Real Madrid. But again, I want to touch on another one of their, pla- the midfielders who I keep talking about, and that is Casemiro. Again, he showed why he's the best defensive midfielder in world football. What was also so interesting about Casemiro is his intelligence in this game. We spoke about his raw aggression, his ability to win tackles, to intercept. But what was so important for this game was his positioning off the ball, so when um, you know when Atletico did try and press Tony Cruz with their strikers, uh, again Real opened themselves up and created a pretty much a three v two in central midfield. That is with the defensive midfielder and Casemiro, Luka Modric, and Tony Cruz. So how they picked them up is that Cruz and uh, Modric would be picked up, which left Casemiro absolutely free. So what he consistently do is just move ahead of the two central midfielders and but also you know move into a sort of attack in midfield role and just receive the ball and then play out of the, the press from Atletico. And it was so important, so intelligent from Casemiro, who has pretty much everything in his game. And it's good to have a player that's seen as not technically that good, but intelligence-wise, perfect. A perfect thing, you know, drifting forward, becoming the free man and receiving the ball and getting Real Madrid through the thirds and sort of breaking that press, which, you know, unlocks Atletico. The reason why Atletico is so good is because their four-four-two is so compact. But if you're having someone like Casemiro in there that's drifting in between these lines and and not someone that you expect it's really interesting. And as well, you know, he played as a defensive midfielder but consistently got forward. You know, he assisted the first goal, the step over for the third goal. But what was more impressive again was he kept on being free in Atletico's half and it looked like Atletico left him it was like a player that was like, oh, we don't need to pressurise him, you know, playing football manager, instructions not to press this player. And he kept on having like, open spaces in the opposition's half, you know, to slide through balls to Ronaldo, to uh, Benzema, to Asensio. And I think if, uh, you know, he does improve that over the next few seasons, which you could definitely say that Casemiro will improve, because that's the type of player he is. He's just a player that seems to consistently get better, work on little things, you know, we're seeing assists and goals in his game. If you start to see these passes, defence splitting passes, you're going to have to be dealing with three unbelievable ball-playing central midfielders. How are you going to deal with that? Maybe, you know, invert the pyramid and play an attacking midfielder on one of them, and then two central midfielders man-to-man like Mourinho does. But it was incredible stuff from Casemiro once again, and his game by numbers was a little bit special for the young lad. Well, not really young. You know, kind of getting you know twenty four, twenty five, starting to hit the real peak of his career. And I think we're seeing that from his his absolute performances. But in the game, he obviously grabbed the assist, made two interceptions, three blocks, made one four tackles, made six clearances, and sixty six passes. The best defensive midfielder in the world right now. And of course, talking Real Madrid, they are going to talk about CR seven who scored the first hat-trick in the champions in a champions league semi-final since Lewandowski against Real Madrid in the 2012-13 season. That was one of the best individual hat-tricks I've ever seen. And he scored four goals that day. He was just so good. The uh sort of the Puskas goal that he scored, the little drag back and then the shot was just unbelievable. Ronaldo again coming up trumps. In terms of his first goal, was it offside? You know, again this is going back to what I spoke about before the issue of the offside rule. Ronaldo was stood in an offside position. He was in the penalty area. He is going to be taking some attention away from the center back to, to realize where he is. For me, it's offside, and um, you know that phase of play should have been stopped there. But the rule, how it rule, you know how it's ruled right now, it's not offside. That's the issue. My interpretation of that is that shouldn't that should be offside. It's an advantage of Ronaldo's gain from being offside, coming onside, and then scoring a goal.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring.
2: And I just think this rule needs to be completely, you know, sorted out. But again, who expected Casemiro to be there? Absolutely not me. In terms of the 2-0, the second goal, what a absolute finish. I think what the thing we see about Ronaldo is he may not have the the acceleration, the, the ability to really, you know, go up players from deep like he did at Manchester United. What I see now is just a, a clinical finisher. The finish for the, uh, the, the goal was just absolutely insane. The second goal, the focus he had on the ball, the technique to get over the ball, the anticipation for the ricochet as well. As soon as I saw Ronaldo in that position, I thought, he's going to... Judge that this is going to ricochet and he's just going to score and that's exactly what happened it was an incredible goal credit of course to my pal Marcelo as well for pinging the ball into Benzema's feet Marcelo shout out to you European um, second best player right now CR7 is number one I think after this performance the third goal as well a classic counter-attack you know um, Ronaldo's driving through the middle lovely overlap and then a perfect uh, pullback from Vasquez for the goal simple stuff from Cristiano Ronaldo whose stats are getting a little bit silly in the Champions League in fact he scored more goals in the knockout stages than the group's stages. He scored 13 goals in the last two seasons in the knockout stages and he's 8 more than any other player. And to finish off, the stats stats apocalypse, as I'm going to call it, Cristiano Ronaldo scored the most goals in the Champions League semi-finals in history with 11 goals. Absolutely incredible stuff from Real Madrid. You've got Casemiro, Toni Kroos, Cristiano Ronaldo and Zinedine Zidane really coming up trumps against Atletico Madrid. But what went wrong for Atletico Madrid? Who is to blame? Is it Simeone? Is it Saul? Is it Coquet? Well, first off, I think Simeone went far too open too early in the game. Um, you know, I think that he should have just kept it tight. I don't think he should have thrown on the 4-4 and gone to a pretty much a 4-2-4 four, because four, that killed the game off. That was that, that third goal that was pretty much Atletico over, overextending themselves. We've seen him do it this season. I think the Sporting Heon game was again game that I watched where he did look like he started with this 4 two, 4 shape. And Atletico only started to play well when they went back to the four-four-two. 2 Koke partnering Gabby in midfield, I just think it's... Um, they're just too exposed, and all the things that you see about Atletico—the carrots, at the, the speed—the the you know the lack of distance between the lines. When they look like this 4 4 2 when you know when you got Correa, when you got Fernando Torres, when you got uh, Antoine Griezmann and of course uh, Gaetan on the pitch, it's just too open, too exposed, and you're not getting Koke in his best position, you're not getting the best out of you, you, you Antoine Griezmann. You know, his movement is, is restricted when you're playing the system and I just think Diego Simeone got it a little bit wrong. Maybe he should have just gone with the two nil defeat. You know, you nick a goal early, that completely changes that game. We've seen some crazy stuff this season um, in the Champions League especially so I think Simeone let himself down a little bit there um, and again what he needs to work on is breaking teams down a slightly different way and attacking a slightly different way the narrowness is beautiful but when that narrowness isn't working like Real Madrid who did shut that space off very very well you know either Ramos or Varane stepping out or you know Casemiro bossing that zone supported by Modric and uh, Cruz. they need another plan they need a little bit of a different game plan they need the likes of Anton Griezmann to potentially drift right and, and connect which we'll talk about next Anton Griezmann who had a pretty uh, average game should we say a pretty poor game if we're going to be honest with ourselves, um, failed to get a shot on goal, didn't create a chance and completed zero dribbles. And again, he was suffocated because he was playing too narrow. What he really needed to do was drift wide and sort of overload the flanks um, horizontally instead of vertically like he, he usually does um, extend the pitch vertically running in behind or dropping deep. He needs to get that lateral movement and combine with the the wingers, the wide players, combine with Koke, combine with, um, you know, uh, whoever it was, Guy Or Carrasco on the other side. We didn't see enough of that interplay between uh, Griezmann and a fellow and an attacker. It was a little bit isolated, a little bit too narrow. Defensively, though, did very well with more tackles than any other forward on the pitch. But it is—it's just that evolution of Antoine Griezmann. What we want to see next is a player that can um, unlock certain defences and get involved in a game where he starved the possession, he starved the ball, and his usual movement um, forwards and backwards isn't quite working. But I do think it is to do with um, you know the, the whole approach from um, Atletico that in fact was, was done, and I think the big thing was Saul, like I mentioned before, his lack of intensity. Only won a single tackle and got booked far too early. But it was the Real Madrid shape. What maybe Simeone could have done, mix the shape up, maybe go to a three-at-the-back system to allow them to press. That is obviously going a 3v2 at the back for Atletico. If they can throw, um, you know, if they just move Hernandez round, um, tuck in with the likes of uh, Godin and and Savic, maybe drop, uh, you know, Koki maybe to right wing back, go to a 3-5-2 and then try and press again, because then you would have had a 3v3 in the centre of the park. It may have worked a slightly bit better, but again, Simeone has tried to tinker this season, Maybe the 4-3-3 could have been a better option as well. We saw him use that a lot last season to good effect, but we haven't seen it as much this year. But it just seems that the, the press was all gone. The press was broken. That was Zidane's greatness, but also the intensity potentially wasn't there in certain athletic players. Especially, I was so surprised. Saul, he was brilliant that weekend, man of the match by a Country Mile. She didn't, she didn't show up at all. Another player that could have got into the game a little bit earlier was Koke, who didn't really get into the game that first half. Second half, he did quite well. Um, you complete the most passes in the final third. Um, in the whole game, but I just thought no chances created, a little bit too deep at times, and moved to central midfield a little bit too early, not in a 4 3 3. Can I cost Simeone and can I cost Atletico? What does it mean for the second leg? Well, in fact, for me, the game is completely over, but Coke doesn't think so. This is football, so a comeback can always happen. Just ask PSG. But in fact, I think 3 0 is a little bit too much for this Zinedine Zidane Real Madrid team. They're so patient on and off the ball that they'll just wait for you to overexpose yourself, overextend yourself, and bam! You've got Ronaldo, you've got Benzema, you've got Sancho on the break. I think Sancho should potentially be used from the start in the second leg because of his pace that he offers. It's a little bit different to Isco, but I can't wait. It's going to be a great game in the second leg. Anyway, moving on, let's uh, talk Europa League action. Manchester United going away to Celta Vigo. It's going to be a massive, massive game. Man United kind of bottled it in the league in the, you know, the, last, the last week or so. Again, too many draws, basic errors. This is kind of their only real option to get into the Champions League. Um, And they kind of need to focus on one or the other right now if you consider the Crystal Palace game that might be a must-win for Manchester United last game of the season is on a Sunday, the Europa League Finals on the Wednesday. Fortunately, it's time to decide, Mourinho. It's time to decide where your eggs, which basket you're going to put your eggs in. But moving on to United, injuries have been a big, big issue. So many defenders out injured, uh, you know, Bay potentially... Um, out of the game uh, coming off injured against Swansea reports are they should be okay reports of Pogba are back but I think it's these defenders that we're worried about Luke Shaw out for the season again Smalling and Jones have been missing for, for the last two months crazy sack that I stumbled on the other day Chris Smalling's missed 22 games this season in the five years from 2007 till 2011 Nemanja Meech and Patrice Evra missed 15 games in those five years and Smalling has done that more in one single season that's the quality that you get when you sign proper centre-backs anyway let's move on to the Manchester United starting 11 that I'd go with against Celta Vigo so I'd probably go David De Gea in goal Valencia uh, Bay Blind uh, Damian into midfield go Herrera Pogba sitting together then a three behind Marcus Rashford and Mikatarian. Maram Fellaini, Jess Lingard, and of course, Marcus Rashford up top. The reason why I go with Maran Fellaini as a number 10 is because of the performance of Raul Garcia at the weekend. So, in fact, Bilbao beat Celta Vigo three goals to nil at the weekend, which is a pretty interesting result. They'd rest a lot of players, but what they couldn't do is deal with Raul Garcia. Not just in a goal sense, but he completely put them in control with his with aerial ability. So in the game, um, there was a uh, contested... Eleven aerial duels, winning eighty nine percent of them, it was so dominant in the air. And Raúl García pretty much is the Spanish Marouane Fellaini. They play a very similar role. They're aggressive in the press. Um, they're very, very good in the air, and you know, create chances off their head. And I think the Mar- Marouane Fellaini should be used in the Raúl García role against Celta Vigo. You know, think about the balls they played up to him. He created three chances with headed passes. Raul Garcia against Celta Vigo that is at the weekend. The real for Maron Flaney can be that same thing. The Celta Vigo team will come out, they'll press, they'll be very, very aggressive from the start. United need to potentially go long to Maron Flaney to bypass that press and get those attackers, Marcus Rashford, uh, Mkhitaryan and Jess Lingard, into that final third with the ball at their feet running at the Celta Vigo defence because this Celta Vigo defence isn't anything special and I think that, that... that was a weakness from them going aerially and the press and everything with united makes perfect sense for united just to go long and look to you know put the emphasis on celta vigo to break united down and uh, you know sit a bit deeper players that we need to watch out for of course Iago aspas 17 goals in the in la liga this season five in the europa league been a real revelation back at celta vigo uh, seems like players sort of make a make it at celta vigo you think of nelito who moved to manchester city had a great season at celta vigo before uh, you think of players uh, like Rafinha uh, under Luis Enrique, in fact, at Salah Top, top players. but Aspas, uh, you know, fantastic. Been playing more on the right-hand side, starting off through the middle um, as a striker, but has been playing more on the right-hand side there. The front four, um they'll probably go with the 4 On the front four will be uh, Vaz, Sistu, Aspas and Guedetti. Sistu we saw last season, or Man United fans saw last season um, against Michelangelo. Impressed it. Very, very good. Um, Good skills, good techers. Uh, you know, can beat you 1v1 maybe decision making isn't the greatest but a very very good player very very raw very physical Godetti of course manchester city ex manchester city player great uh, little spell at Feyenoord and then got ill uh, as you believe um and has sort of stumbled around european football and Celtic Vigo, again seems to be back in the goals and back in scoring so there is some players in this team that you need to look out for uh, malio their, their their right fullback has um got the most assists for them in the Europa league this season again someone to watch out for but i feel if united do go long and do uh, you know push for it should be a, should be comfortable. Let's say that they use Marron Fellaini's strengths in this game. This is where you need to go long to Flaney. United will comfortably win. I am going to go two goals to one to Manchester United with Henrik Mkhitaryan scoring his fifth goal away in Europe, which is a Manchester United record in a single season. Anyway, guys and girls, that's been that for the Statman Dave Football Podcast. Make sure you drop a uh, you know subscribe on iTunes, write a review, and of course check me out on Twitter at Statman Dave. Over and out. See you later. Goodbye.
0: it.